and welcome to another installment of the Shelf Care Interview, an occasional podcast series in which booklist editors get to talk to authors and illustrators about books, reading, and of course, libraries. The Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Capstone. I'm Sarah Hunter, editor of the Books for Youth and Graphic Novel sections at Booklist, and I'm pleased to be talking today with Patricia Kreiser about her debut picture book, Always Together, which came out in January. Patricia is an author and illustrator and proud mom who absolutely loves creating picture stories. Some of her earliest and best childhood memories include endless hours with briar horses, drawing but not on the walls, and reading pretty much anything she could get her hands on. Patricia graduated from Pratt Institute and hopes her stories will one day be someone's favorite childhood memory. She joins us today from her home near Philadelphia. Thanks for joining us today, Patricia. Hello, Sarah. It's really great to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So tell us a little bit about your inspiration for the book. The inspiration for Always Together came actually from a tragedy. I was compelled to write the first draft of this after... My son lost a very dear friend in 2015. He was in high school, but, you know, kids are our kids no matter how old they are. And I was very shocked and kind of at a loss for words in the wake of the tragedy. And I think that the emotions just sort of bubbled out of me. And I scripted this sort of as a reassurance to my son and his friends that the feelings that they were feeling were valid. And also, hopefully, a reassurance that it would get better. Now, I know adults are sort of notoriously reluctant to talk about death and grief with children. And you just spoke to this, but I wonder if you could say more broadly why you think it's important for there to be picture books about grief for children. Oh, absolutely. I think, Sarah, we're all very reluctant to talk about loss or negative feelings. And especially when things seem calm and okay. Uh, we don't want to rock the boat, right? right? So even if we know somebody was upset about something, if they're having a good day, we kind of don't want to, you know, peel that scab and and talk about something. But also in the midst of a tragedy or a storm, I feel like words often seem inadequate. So we mm-hmm. might be reluctant to broach the subject or to say anything. So just as I had a hard time finding the words to talk about it, I really felt like Many people might feel the same way, especially kids. So my biggest hope for this book is that it is a catalyst for conversation. And then as I revisited the manuscript over and over, I realized that a lot of these feelings that kids have relating to loss can be caused by a number of reasons. So for instance, a loss of friendship. My daughter had a number of friendships that happened in elementary school and for whatever reason, either just simply they were in a different class the next year or physically the child moved away. This person that they were, she was glued to, you know, every day looking forward to lunchtime and playground time and the bus was suddenly not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I also know kids who were experiencing the loss of you know, a marital separation or divorce. I know somebody who was missing a parent due to incarceration. And, you know, of course, you know, there's the tragedy of actually losing someone to death or illness. So when I began exploring this, I was looking for titles to just compare and see what was out there. And at the time, there really wasn't very much. 
especially that talked about loss in a universal way, like I was trying to approach it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in essence, I'm acutely aware that, you know, life isn't all sunshine and rainbows, and it's hard for us to talk about it when it's not, and it's hard to bring it up. So, you know, few people are going to sit at the lunch table and be like, hey, wow, can you help me over my chocolate milk? And by the way, my, you know, I lost my grandma yesterday. Okay. So, you know, I'm hoping that this story can provide an opening to talk. How did you approach keeping this topic um, digestible for a young audience, young, uh, very young children in particular? That's very challenging. But I think um, as an author, I think keeping the text very minimal and allowing the reader to bring their own circumstance to the story uh, really makes it approachable and universal. I am very intentionally unclear in the story about the exact nature of the otter relationship. Are Mm -hmm. they friends? Is this a caregiver? Is it a sibling? We don't really know. You can assume what you'd like. I don't express the exact nature of the separation, nor the duration of the separation. Just acknowledging that sense of loss in the moment. And I think in this way, it leaves it open for the reader to bring their own circumstance. And as an illustrator, to make it approachable, it was really important to me to keep the images playful and inviting and relatable. Yeah. And speaking of the artwork, the otters in the book are really, really cute. I mean, they're like swirling around each other and laughing and playing. I'm very curious about what made you choose otters as your primary characters for the story. Well, first of all, thank you for that. Um, (laughs) That's easy. I just love them. Uh, (laughs) They're a lot of fun to draw. And I have to say my, my very first dummies that I created of the story the characters, I made these little anthropomorphic fuzzballs. They were just kind of spots of color and very simplistic with little little line art faces and arms and legs. And my thinking was that just as the text was minimal, I thought the art also could be minimal and that they were kind of floating along in the same parallel plane. But not to be a downer, but I had another tragedy happen. My, I lost my younger sister uh, very senselessly, and she left behind her family. And it shut me down creatively for a long time. And when I was ready to be creative again, I revisited the story. And not only did I revisit it, the story was kind of really screaming at me, like, I need to get out in the world. Like, I needed to get this story out. But I realized that those little fuzzball characters, even though they were cute, they really weren't relatable. And they also couldn't convey the emotion that I wanted to express. And I thought that the very minimal text needed a lot more illustrative support. So I had a mentor who told me once that when you paint something you love, you feel it in your heart. And then it comes out on the page and the viewer feels that too. So to get myself out of my creative rut, I thought, well, I love otters. And the the river otter exhibit at the Philadelphia Zoo has always been a favorite of mine. I love the way they are playful. 
they are so active on the ground and, and they swim so beautifully in the water. And so all of those images I thought would be a lot of fun to draw and paint, but also they're very community oriented animals. But so if they're out of sight of each other for even just a few seconds, they'll call out to each other. And I really thought that I would have a lot of fun exploring a, real, a connection between two of them, but also have the opportunity to put the otters in a community environment with other woodland animals and would help me kind of do a little interesting wor world building there. So when talking about picture books, uh, we often consider what children will take away from them since they are the primary audience, but adults have just as much to experience with picture books because they're usually the ones reading them. What do you hope adults will take away from Always Together when they're reading them with uh, a child? That's a great question. I really think the takeaways are for everyone, adults or kids. I'm still actually discovering the takeaways myself because I think subconsciously I I put some things in there and I'm only just now realizing how important different aspects of the situation are. But I think number one is hope. Um, I think the hope that in a dark time that things will get easier, that it'll get better, that it will be good to be comforted by memories and hope in knowing that even though somebody's physically apart from you, that when you are thinking about them and remembering them, that you're always together with them. Yeah. So hope would be a big one. Also reassurance that oftentimes we feel very alone in our pain and in our darkness. And we kind of can often build a little bubble around ourselves and we feel like everyone else is doing something else, but we're so alone. What I hope to show in the illustrations was that you know, this otter is expressing the solitude in their grief, but in actuality, they're surrounded by a community of caring individuals who want to be supportive. They, they see what's going on and they see the hurt. I just hope to show that reassurance that there is community out there. Yeah. One thing I always appreciate in books for children about tackling tough things like this is the reality of having big emotions and how that is acceptable to be a part of a process like that. And sometimes I think as adults, we can forget that you need to give space or have leave space to have big feelings and, and let them occur and accept them as part of the process. And I think that's something that we often tell children, but we sometimes forget ourselves as adults. And it's useful to remember when you're experiencing a lot of grief or loss or really any any kind of troubling experience that your own feelings are important to sit with and appreciate and experience. And that's yeah. something that I, I feel like we all can learn from children. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think it's Especially a lot of times the environment is all about, you know, being happy and it's awkward to bring up those things and, and like you said, to sit with them too, because we, we, or we want to put the bandaid over it or the smile and say, oh, it's all, it's all right, you know, and you don't want to go there. So I think another takeaway from the book is being empathetic towards somebody else 
that you might see us going through this mm-hmm. and building an awareness for that. So, you know, you might not have experienced this on your own as the reader, but perhaps you know somebody who is going through some something and it kind of, I'm hoping, gives permission to say, how can I come alongside this person? And also that it doesn't have to be perfect. And I think that's something that I struggle with as an adult is I'm afraid that I'm going to say the wrong thing or um, the right words won't come, but to give myself permission to just say, hey, I'm here for you and and just let somebody know that I care and not be frozen by the, you know, what seems like an inadequate response. To here. But yeah, mostly I really hope that this will be another tool in the box that somebody can use to spark conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I wanted to mention very interestingly, uh, Capstone was very generous in creating an educator's guide that they have on their website. Oh, great. And it's very well done. So I think even somebody listening to this or reading the book and saying, okay, well, this is all fine, but now what do I do? Uh, <laughs> it's a really great guide to some, just some pointers on how to have a discussion. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. So given that our audience here is primarily librarians, I always like to ask writers and illustrators how libraries have been important in your creative life. And I hope you can share that with us today too. Oh, Absolutely. Libraries are amazing places. We can all agree on that. I think magical in that you have the opportunity to walk into a space and browse and get your hands on things that maybe you hadn't thought thought about before or to be exposed to new things. The school library was especially important to me growing up. I didn't really visit our community library as a family. It's just not something that we did or was part of our habit. So the school library was a great opportunity for me to be exposed to books. And as an artist, I have a very vivid memory of fourth grade finding the John James Audubon reference book, these beautiful colored plates of birds. And I think it was really the first time, even though I knew I like to draw and I enjoyed drawing that I thought about being an artist. <laughs> and so you know, that was a, a very vivid early uh, appreciation of my library experience. But when I was at Pratt, my work study job was in the library. So I had a, a great exposure to all kinds of different uh, reference material and books and had the best time you know, when checking books in and out, I would pull things aside. Oh, that looks neat. I want to read that. Um, and I'm sure people were frustrated with me because I probably took a little too much time in the stacks when I was reshelving <laughs> books because I would go to put them back on the shelf. And go, oh, what's this? And I'd have to look through it and uh, enjoyed that process a bit. <laughs> That's and wonderful. Lastly, as an adult and having small children, uh, I have a son and a daughter, and we would go to the local library and really enjoyed story time. And that was an excellent opportunity for me as I began thinking about, you know, next steps. I was home with my children, um, and I was like, you know, I think I really want to get back into this and really paying attention to uh, the group 
reading situation, the importance of that very suspenseful page turn. And how <laughs> fascinating it was to me that you could get, you know, a, a room full of three or four-year-olds to just be mesmerized by a book. And what a beautiful thing that is. And how um, just how important it was how the book was read. And I don't know, it was just fascinating to me. And I got exposure to new titles and really questioned what it was about enduring titles that made them last and be appealing through the generations. And in those moments and being with my kids, I was like, you know, I, I think I could do this. I think I would like to illustrate books and learn more about that and, you know, perhaps even author one. And here I am. Well, that's great. That's so affirming. <laughs> Very much. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you again, Patricia, for taking the time to talk with us today about your work. And special thanks to Capstone for making this podcast possible. Hope you all have something excellent to rate next.